Welcome to Divine Inspiration by Dantisha James. Today we're going to talk about when will our suffering cease? Yes, when will our suffering cease? So, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 through 4, this is what it says. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. The Christian life includes both suffering, both suffering, assuring our partnership with Christ in suffering, and the comfort of Christ. That is, in this age, Christ suffers within for his people because of the tragedy of sin. Our suffering is not necessarily a suffering because of disobedience, but is often a suffering at the hands of Satan, the world, and false believers as we share in the cause of Christ. The first thing to remember is this, this, God is involved in our suffering. You remember that? You heard that? Hey, you heard that? Hello? Hello? Remember this. God is involved in our suffering. So we're not, we're not suffering alone. God is involved with it. God is with us when we go through things. We are not alone. We are never alone. We are never forsaken. God says he's with us and he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So even though Satan is the ruler of this world, he is able to afflict our lives only by God's permissive will. God has promised in his word not to, I mean, not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. God has also promised to bring good out of all suffering, persecution of those who love him and obey his commands. Now, do you know that? Do you know that? Even, even if you're dealing with persecution, God says he's going to bring good out of it. Even if you're dealing with suffering, God's children, guess what? He said he's going to bring the good out of it, of those who obey his commands. Joseph recognized this truth in his own life of suffering, and the author of the Hebrews shows how God uses the painful parts of our lives for our growth and benefits. In addition, God has promised to stand by us in our pain to walk with us, through the valley of the shadow of death. And that is Psalms in Psalms chapter 23, verse 4. To each of his children he sends sufficiency grace so that they can bear the trials of life. Hello? Do you know you're not in this suffering alone? God said he helps us get through it and it gives us growth. And it's going to work out for our good. So let us go into the word of God again. Let's go into Revelation chapter 21, verse 1 through 4. And this is what the word of God says. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth has passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city in New, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and bear their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things has passed away.
Hey now, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise our God. Thank you, Lord. You heard that. No more crying, no more weeping, no more suffering, no more death, no more sorrow. The tears, all the tears will be wiped away. No more pain. Jesus, thank God. So the final goal and biblical expectations of the redeemed are now transformed and redeemed. World where Christ lives with his people and righteousness dwells in the holy perfection. To erase all traces of sin, there will be a destruction of the earth. Stars and galaxies, heaven and earth will be shaken and will vanish like smoke. The stars will be dissolved and the elements destroyed. The new earth will become the dwelling place of both humans and God. All the redeemed will possess, um, possess, possess bookies. I'm sorry. All the redeemed will possess bodies like Christ. Resurrection bodies, ones that are real, visible, intangible, but incorruptible. Woo, thank God. And immoral, immortal. The new Jerusalem already exists in heaven. It will soon come to earth as a city of God, which Abraham and all of God's faithful awaited in which God's architect in the builder. So God will be the architect and he will be the builder. The new earth will become the dwelling place of God and he will remain with his people forever. Eternal life. No time zone, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more weeping of tears, no more hard times. Woo! Can we get an amen on that? Praise the Lord. All right. So this is what Tommy Mitchell says. This is what this is about Tommy Mitchell. He says this, if creatures live millions of years before God made the Garden of Eden, then suffering and death arose before sin, ruined creation. In fact, their fossils' remains will be buried under um, Adorn's feet. But that's not the case. But that's not the case. In Genesis chapter 1 through 3, we are told of the beginnings of things. God created everything in six ordinary days, a perfect creation in which there was no death. God looked at his creation and called it very good. You heard that. God called it very good. So where did death come from? Death came as a direct resource of Adam's disobedience. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, it tells us, But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall truly die. And so Adam knew there was a consequence to his action. When he took of that fruit and ate, his rebellion brought a curse in death. For since by man came death, by men also came resurrection of the dead. These diseases and death in the fossils record reflected this curse upon all creation. We must understand that our sin is what broke what is what broke God's perfected creation. We are all sinners because we are descendant from the sinners. We too rebel against God's command. Not one is innocent. As a result of sin, the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. The good news, amen, hold on. The good news, amen, is that the last Adam, Jesus Christ, came to the earth to bear the penalty of our sins and be nailed to the cross and defeated death by his resurrection. Can we get a praise on that? Say hallelujah. Yes, praise God. By his atoning blood sacrifice for us, 
He has made a way for us to spend eternity with him in heaven. He promises to those who place their faith in him that in the future there will be no more death, no more tears, no more suffering. The perfect world will be restored. Hey, now, the perfect world will be restored. Praise the Lord. So let us get into 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. And this is what the word of God says. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Those who willingly suffer for the cause of Christ find it easier to resist sin and to follow God's will. They have united themselves with Christ and shared his cross. As a result, the pull of sin is made insignificant and the will of God per month, the spiritual principle will work in the lives of all believers. You heard that. The spiritual principle will work in the lives of all believers. Excuse me. Obeying God, even when it means suffering, even when it means ridicule or rejection, will strengthen us morally and spiritually. And we will receive from God a greater grace. You heard that. We will receive from God a greater grace as we obey him. Christians still experience temptations and can sometimes fall into sin, but they are no longer slaves to sin. You heard that. We are no longer slaves to sin. Thank God, praise the Lord, that we are no longer slaves to sin. They have God's Holy Spirit within them. We have God's Holy Spirit within us to help us say no to temptations, to convict their conscience of wrongdoing when they do sin. So it's good that we feel conviction. So it means the spirit is living in us and we repent of our sins and we get back up again because we humbly repent of our sins and ask God to forgive us. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us. So our God will forgive us. Let us go into Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17 through 19. Let's read the word of God. And this is what it says. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. And the former should not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I created. For, for, for behold, I created Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping should no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. And so this prophecy foresees God's future kingdom on earth. Isaiah blends the age of eternity where sin and death will, know, will be no more with the Masonic age. That precedes it. There will indeed be new heavens and a new earth, but God also has plans for the present, Jerusalem in his millennial kingdom. How can people be happy in heaven knowing that their unsaved loved ones are suffering in hell? That's the question. Those who ask such questions fall into the category of those who ask Jesus a similar question. The first, he said that, that a certain woman has seven husbands. So whose wife will she be in heaven? And Jesus answered by saying, they neither knew the scriptures nor the power of God. If God can speak to the son into existence, if he can see every thought of every human heart at the same time, if he can correct the human eyes 
If he can correct the human's eyes with this 137 million light sensitive cells, then he can handle the minor details of our eternal salvation. John writes that in heaven we should be like him, for we should see him as he is. So perhaps we will be fully satisfied that God is perfectly just and merciful and that he gave every individual the opportunity to accept him or reject him. However, he works it out. God promises that there will not be sorrow or crying in heaven. Our focus in heaven won't be on our loss, but on our gain. And God will work it all out. So in Isaiah chapter 65, verse 19 says this, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. My question was, when will the suffering cease? Suffering will cease when God brings the new earth and the new heaven for his beloved children. But in the world, we will suffer and God will help us get through it as believers in Christ Jesus. And so our suffering will not cease while we are living on the earth. But our God will help us get through our suffering. Our God will help us get through our hard times. Our God will help us get through our pain. Our God will help us get through our grief. Our God is our God who's more stronger and much bigger than whatever we're dealing with on this earth. Regardless of the afflictions of the enemies, regardless of anxiety he's trying to throw at us, regardless of the fear that he's trying to bring in us, our God is much bigger than it all because he's more powerful than it all. Can't no demon in hell stop our father. Our father is the Alpha. Our Father is Omega. He is the beginning and he is the end. There ain't no God like our God. We got to know who our Father is. So our suffering will cease when he brings the new heaven and the new earth and now the old stuff will pass away and there will be no more crying. There will be more rejoicing. There will be more joy in his children because we will be among our Father who is our Heavenly Father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. We will be living with him and all the other stuff will pass away. Thank you so much for listening to Divine Inspiration. God bless you.